For all the hullabaloo over maximum security, he technically does not have a classic win nor a Breeders' Cup win. He'll try to change that second part in a few weeks, but first he'll get one final dress rehearsal. We'll dive into California's Breeders' Cup preview races on this edition of In the Gate. They're in the gate. They're about to move in. They roll sack. And they're off. As they move to the top of the stretch. It's a hip-hopping finish! This is In The Gate, ESPN's Thoroughbred Racing Podcast. My name is Barry Abrams. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Boys or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Boys. You can also get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us. Hey, it's a year to get out the vote, right? So let the folks at America's Best Racing know that you want to include In The Gate in their Fan Choice Awards this November, where we should have been last year. We're not interested in voter suppression around here, so let America's Best Racing know through their Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram accounts. The star-crossed career of maximum security includes crossing the line first in the Kentucky Derby and in the world's richest race, the Saudi Cup, but not be the winner of either of them. You know about the interference kerfuffle at the Derby. And then this past February, this happened. Mucho Gusto has the lead for Bob Baffert, leading by a couple of lengths. Ben Battle, Gold Dream, all the time. Midnight Bisu running on strongly up the inside running rail. And now trying to challenge Maximum Security as well. Mucho Gusto clinging to the lead. Maximum Security and Midnight Bisu closing. Midnight Security on the inside. Maximum Security has the lead. Now only for Midnight Bisu. Maximum Security is the winner of the inaugural Saudi Cup. The horse that will be remembered for a race he lost will now be remembered for a race he won. Uh, yeah, about that. Just nine days after this race, on March 9th, Maximum Security's trainer, Jason Service, and 26 other people, including another trainer, Jorge Navarro, were indicted on charges of giving their horses illegal drugs in order to improve their performances. Saudi officials have still not paid out the first-place money to Maximum Security's owners, Gary and Mary West, and depending on the results of the investigation, they might not. Service's trial has not yet begun, but almost immediately after the announcement of the indictments, Gary and Mary West transferred the horse from Service's barn to Bob Baffert's. Bob Baffert is so successful that grade one winners now almost literally fall out of the trees for him. Baffert wanted time to train the horse his way, and so he didn't start again until mid-July at the beginning of the Del Mar meet, where he won the San Diego Handicap. In his most recent start, Maximum Security came back near the end of the meet to capture the signature race where the surf meets the turf. Maximum Security, Sharp Samurai just won't go away. He's still just a neckback, and they're into the stretch, and it's Maximum Security off the turn in front. Sharp Samurai has run a big one today, but with one furlong to run, Maximum Security has the lead. He's opened up by two. Sharp Samurai is second behind Maximum Security, who takes them all the way in the TVG Pacific Classic. In this weekend's Breeders' Cup Classic prep, the awesome again stakes, Luis Saez climbs back aboard Maximum Security for the first time since the Saudi Cup. Abel Cedillo rode him in the two wins at Del Mar. Let's take a look at the awesome again and the other Breeders' Cup preview races at Santa Anita this weekend. To help us do that, 
we welcome back to the show our friend Terry Terrell, who's been covering racing on the West Coast since Seabiscuit's win in the big cap. That's not actually true. So, Terry, Bob Baffert has not just one big contender for the awesome again, but two. Don't forget about Improbable. I stood outside the wrought iron fence on the far turn at Saratoga. No spectators allowed inside, you know, to watch him win the Whitney. How will their respective running styles affect the outcome of this race? Yeah, well, you know, Baffert, of course, he's, he uh, holds the keys in there because he's got two of the horses that are going to be right there on the engine. Now, who's going to take the lead? You know, the past performances don't show that either one of these horses, especially Maximum Security, that won a race. So, you know, to me, you've got the five horses, you've got four that show they only want to race on the front end. And maybe the sleepy eyes Todd that has a couple of races from off the pace and midcourt, the sheriffs who, uh, this is a goofy horse, but he's got a ton of talent, but midnight loot, I'm not sure they want to go a mile in an eighth. So it's an interesting race. And which one is Baffert going to send? And is he going to put one to protect? He's going to use improbable to protect maximum security, but you don't want to say that, but it's, it's always in everybody's mind because he's done it so many times in big races. And it's really owed to the fact that Bob Baffert has one type of horse that he gets, a horse that runs on or near the early lead on dirt. That's how all his horses run. Exactly, exactly. Bob Baffert's whole year is geared around winning Triple Crown races. He's got 16 of them now, more than any other trainer ever. And so looking ahead to next year's Triple Crown races, which may be run in their normal calendar slots, who knows, He's got a good-looking two-year-old in Spielberg. Of course, with a name like that, he'd have to run near Hollywood. This horse has run twice, finishing second both times, including the Del Mar Futurity. Baffert wheels Spielberg back in 19 days to run in the American Pharaoh Stakes, of course named for the 2015 Triple Crown winner. Where does Spielberg fit with the others in this race? That's a good race. It's, to me, this, this will not exactly give an indication of the two-year-olds that are out there because this race comes up to me it comes up rather weak as far as the top two-year-olds in the country i'm not sold on spielberg i'm not and miller's got one in there that's going to be trying the uh, dirt for the first time weston is an interesting horse but i don't think it has the class to go with these you got sharif's on the outside putting blinkers on probably one that might have the most talent in my opinion was print you've got the becerra on the inside and an interesting jockey change on the Mike McCarthy, Ron Bauer, who uh, wants to come from out of the clouds. And and uh, Mike McCarthy, he brings him up to the big races, and he's a real danger in there. So I think it's wide open. I don't think you can circle Spielberg by any means. I I could see five or six having a good shot in here. And I would take a shot on Ron Burrow with Mike Smith. Yeah, it's hard to, get, hard to bet against big money Mike in a big race like that. The thing with Wasperint is he gets Umberto Rispoli, who has really been a wonderkind out in California, but so few people outside of California still know who he is, and mainly he wins on turf. But, yeah, I mean, I have to believe that Rispoli, with all that confidence, has a real shot on Wasperint. Yeah, I do, too. That's uh, I think he has a big shot in there. He's definitely in the top five of the horses I'd use in exotics and structuring trifecta tickets or exotic tickets. The uh, Rispoli is an interesting story. His uh, agent, Scotty McClellan, when Talamo went back to ride in the Midwest, he was without a jockey. And the first time he'd been without a jockey, probably in uh, 30, 40 years. 
so he was able to pick up Rispoli on the on the advice of or on the recommendation of Ron Anderson. And Rispoli was all set to go back east, and then Ron Anderson ended up getting uh, J.R. Velasquez, and then he's got Joel Rosario. So Rispoli decided to stay here. But I really think after the Del Mar meet and the way that he's riding, that I don't think he'll stay in California, which appears right now to be into the three-day-a-week mode of racing, and I don't think that's enough uh, mounts for him racing three days a week, just Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Back when we had him on In the Gate in the summer, he said he loved California, planned on staying there, but I think you make a good point. Bob Baffert also looms large in the two-year-old Philly race, the Chandelier. He sends out a clear favorite in Princess Noor, winner of the Del Mar debutante on Labor Day weekend. She's two for two. Does anybody have a chance against her? Uh, you've got Bob Baffert in five horses. He's got three in there. So I'll take Bob Baffert in the race and Princess Noor has not been tested yet. Just one breeze, breezing in both of uh, her victories. And she's very impressive and definitely the one short uh, short price and the one to beat in, uh, in the Chandelier. And you got Baffert with the other two horses that one's a million dollar uh, Philly elimination. The other one's a $700,000 Philly uh, Varda. And undefeated, Illumination's a maiden going against the uh, winners. I'll, I'll go with Princess Nourish maybe a free spot in the bin, uh, your exotics for your pick fives, fours, and threes. Hard to go against Princess Nar. And Victor Espinosa aboard her. Baffert and Espinosa teamed up, of course, with War Emblem back in 2002 to win the Derby and the Preakness. He's a veteran that uh, knows how to ride and get the job done. And I think Victor, I don't have any problem at all when Victor's on a horse that I'm uh, backing. We continue breaking down the Breeders' Cup preview races at Santa Anita with our good friend Terry Terrell. So we'll get back to the races themselves in a moment. But I want to bring up something we've discussed on this show before, Terry, the changes to the rider's use of the crop. Those provisions take effect in California October 1st. No more than six times total in a race, no more than twice in rapid succession before letting the horse respond, and only underhanded. There are other provisions, too, but those are the main ones. How do you think this will affect the racing? That's a good question. Uh, you've got the whip rules that has been changed multiple times, and they've finally uh, come down on a set of rules that, to me, are very confusing. And these jockeys, when they're in the heat of battle making split-second decisions, they're going to be asked to count how many times they hit the horse besides trying to decide whether they're going to go between horses, outside of horses, or whether they have to steady behind horses or... If they hit the horse more than six times, how much trouble are they going to be in? Right now, it's just a $1,000 fine, but a lot of them will take the $1,000 fine if it means winning a race or not. I just think it's very confusing. I don't think there's a real set of rules that are going to stick from coast to coast because there's such a, this is such a, it's like Lasix. It's such a controversial topic. What about the safety of horses and riders? How do you think it'll affect that? Another good question that uh, I don't really have the answer. If you talk to the jockeys, they say we can't, and the trainers, they'll say without a whip, it's dangerous out there. And But yet uh, you see Shoemaker never used to use a whip, very seldom would use a whip because he rode mostly with his hands and his and his brain. And a lot of these guys, they are the opposite. The, not, the jockeys will they'll start hitting their horse right out of the gate to get him to get his attention, then if a lot of horses, if they lag or if they need to be woken up, they'll need to be 
probably, you know, reminded throughout the whole race or else they won't perform. So it's just every horse is different and every jockey's different, every race is different. And you're just adding another set of rules that to me are, are confusing. And I think it, it leaves too much for interpretation by the stewards and a third party. And because everything says it's up to the stewards to determine if the jockey has uh, abused the horse and the whip rule. And so they're going to be counting the whips. You've got three stewards up there. You've got placing judges. So one guy is going to watch all these horses and count how many times they've hit the, hit the horse. And then if, before it's official, they have to go back and look, oh, this guy hit the horse seven times. Uh, I don't know about that. But it's just confusing. The penalties are confusing. I just think it's going to be very interesting to see how they adapt to this. And you're going to see a lot of whining and crying. And I can understand all of the pros and cons and yays and nays about it. It's just a controversial rule. Let's hit one more race happening this weekend at Santa Anita, and that's the Rodeo Drive. We mentioned how Bob Baffert has a particular type of horse that he likes to bring into his barn, a dirt horse that can run with early speed. So you don't often see Bob Baffert in turf races, and sure enough, he is not in the Rodeo Drive, but trainer Richard Baltus is. He's got two pretty good shots in here in Lady Prancelot and Bodicita. How do you see this race shaping up? Both of those horses, uh, Bodicita and Lady Prancelot, have uh, similar styles. Of they want to race from, you know, from far back, settle and make that one big run, European style. A horse that has speed could possibly prove a mild surprise because these horses have to navigate Bodicita and Lady Prancelot have to navigate traffic. I think Bodicita has the most speed of the two horses and can be placed more in a forward position by Flavian uh, Pratt been aboard uh, for most of her races and done a great job with her. So I would take Botticita over Lady Prance a lot. And I think this uh, Maxim Raid in Simon Callahan's, Callahan's barn is uh, peaking and also has a similar style tactical speed, which is the most important thing to me in turf racing that goes over five and a half furlongs is your tactical speed. Interesting that Umberto Rispoli, the turf master, had ridden Maxim Raid but will ride Lady Prance a lot. In this race, Luis Saez, who will also be piloting Maximum Security, picks up the mount on Maximum Rate in the Rodeo Drive. Terry, thank you so much. It's so great to hear your voice again. Stay safe and be well. I will, and you too, Barry. Thank you very much. Our thanks once again to Terry Terrell. It was a bit discomforting to see all those fans at Deauville each Sunday when I tuned in for their stakes. 3,000 was one estimate, but the coziness of Deauville meant social distancing room was hard to make. The French reported no new COVID cases June 25th, but ever since then, the daily total has climbed. On September 5th, over 8,500 new cases that day alone. To Deauville's crowds, those cases can't all be timed. But the optics surely weren't good, and there were so many people that champion rider Christophe Sumion was caught in traffic in mid-July and missed his opening ride. Don't you think a spike in COVID cases could spawn from allowing so many people to stand together, albeit outdoors? The British are complaining their business might fall if closed-door racing continues through next spring and into the summer, but we each must act for the benefit of all. You can get us on our YouTube channel by searching In The Gate Podcast. You can get us on Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, TuneIn, the Pink Apple Podcatcher app, and of course in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. 
For the full In The Gate experience, subscribe now in the Listen tab of the ESPN app. And please take a minute to rate and review the show. Those reviews really help others find us, including the Mensa members at America's Best Racing, so maybe they'll put us in their Fan Choice Awards for Best Podcast next November, where we should have been last November. You can follow me on Twitter at B. Abrams Voice or on Facebook at Barry Abrams Voice. That's In The Gate for this week. I'm Barry Abrams. We hope you're safe and healthy as you listen to this, and we'll see you next time.